Hello, and welcome to episode one of book four, titled The Captive of Arlo. Let's begin. Gretel, King Ansel's second in command, weeping, knelt before his one lord and master. He lay flat, his arms outstretched, his face in the muck. He felt the king's eyes burrowing into the back of his neck. King Ansel tottered like a wind-blown tree. He stood three feet taller than most every other dwarf. The other dwarven troops could easily identify their leader as he towered over them. Maybe short were he, were he to be among men, but why would he be among men? Rise, he commanded in a whisper with a growl, and Gretel, swallowing hard, rose to his feet. Tears rolled up in King Ansel's eyes. He smiled as regarded his loyal commander. He swept his hand past his cheek and cupped the back of his head. Why do you still stand beside me, my love, my soldier, my Gretel? Why, after all the others have abandoned me, why must you be the foolish one? Should I have reason to fear you? Gretel beamed. I will not once desert you. You are my king, the one hope of all the dwarves. Never mind if no one else sees that yet. You know dwarves, how bullheaded they can be. You must forgive them. King Ansel crumpled to the ground. He implored the one dwarf that found no fault in him. He tried to figure him out like an engineering marvel. I have lost everyone, every other dwarf, all because I killed Captain Lendril. Men have the same rights as elves and dwarves. I told him not to kill the suspected humans of the city of Fritz. I told him that I was not convinced that they killed the dwarven youth Grendel that the accused were entitled to a fair trial. I did not learn of the actions of my three sons till it was too late. King Ansel scowled. He hissed and clenched his fists. I will not give up my throne, not this day. I may have a handful of dwarves, a modest amount remain loyal to me, certainly not enough to maintain my hold on my crown. And what of the one united nation of the dwarves, the one I was born to build? No, the nation cannot survive were I to build this, it this day. Will you listen to me? asked Gretel. I have been your voice of reason all these seven years. Will you listen to me now? Ansel shuddered. If it means saving my life and preserving hope of my rule, I will. Please be harsh with me. Berate and scold me. Let me see your temperament. Gretel sat down beside his king and his brother-in-arms. He took Ansel's huge hand in his and worked to comfort the giant. Your heart is in the right place. Humans are necessary to forge our nation. That's because they are not dwarves. They aren't invested in their wealth. They are willing to follow, not like dwarves. Finally, humans respect you as a man, mostly because of your height. The humans are in no position to fight alongside you. They are ignorant. They are cowards. Even if you succeeded in recruiting every human throughout the Abyssine, they would not last a week in a war with the dwarves. And should you lead an army of humans, every last dwarf would lose respect for you. Humans may surpass their servitude and lowly status, 
opened up for a generation or more. They may be worthy of a claim, but not this day. We will refute humans to fight alongside us. They will be trained by both dwarves and half-elves. Soon, very soon, you will be in a position to take what was taken from you, from us. King Ansel frowned. The people of Fritz saw me for who I am. They burned their fields. They tended for Dwarf Lord Bertel. They toppled the distinguished house of Dwarf Lord Quindle. The human serfs acknowledged me as their liberator. I should not have offered promise to them. Only after I punished my dissenters and founded the one nation of the dwarves, then I could welcome them in as brothers, as they truly are. Captain Gretel sidled up to his companion and worked to massage the king's shoulders. That human city will not survive the night. It's grievous. The humans deserve better, it's true. But the dwarves, including your sons, are not prepared for humans to be equal, and the humans are in no position to fight for their independence. Thirty years too soon, lamented the king, his voice indistinguishable from thunder. Captain Grendel agreed, yes, the leadership of the humans has yet to develop. The destruction of Fritz will generate twelve to twenty leaders among men. It is a tragedy, but this is necessary. We must see that. King Ansel paused. He maintained sullenly, I must go into hiding. Humanity will strengthen. They will be in a position to fight for themselves alongside me. And dwarves will be most receptive to my message. But not today, and not tomorrow. I must go into hiding. I must bide my time. Wait for another war of the races. A war where the enslaved humans and the dwarves that will follow me will fight together and establish my rule over both. Captain Gretel stated, Just say the word, and I'll do what you would have me do. All the others have deserted you. I will not. King Ansel's voice boomed. I trust no one. No dwarf can be trusted. I know what you've done. Do you think me a fool? Do not forsake me, begged Captain Gretel. I know you are bitter, that your trust has been tested, but you know I will die for you. Do you not forsake me? King Ansel grappled his fellow dwarf's forearm. I am defeated. Shall I enter the battlefield against my three sons today? I would most certainly perish. I will go to the caves. I will go into hiding. When enough time has passed, you will serve me again, but only after you are broken. I know you. It will take a long time for you to be broken, but you must be broken. You'll be my subject, and I'll be your king. There can be no doubt. What is this you are saying, my king? worried the fearful captain. You must leave your troops. They're all tainted with their love for you, and not me. Your own army is the greatest threat to me. You must be placed in a crypt, resurrected, when my own hope is resurrected, and my will resolved, you must die and be born anew. For I know of your betrayal, of your colluding with my son Trindale, of accepting his defeat without me, of his recruiting you to fight me. You must earn my trust, and this way you will. Instantly, on cue, somber, silent elves materialized all around the pair. 
They quickly subdue the traumatized and terrified second-in-command. What is this? You have forsaken me, my brother. King Ansel continued, I do not deny it. You are, my, you are most valuable to me. You will have time to earn my trust once more. A lot of time, as it turns out. But you'll have the opportunity, as will every dwarf who has betrayed me will. You will be placed in a crypt. Those who are looking will not think to look there. Once the opportunity presents itself, once another war of the races develops several years from now, you'll be offered a chance at redemption. Only one chance, so do not take the opportunity lightly. Will you become loyal to your king once you realize who he is? My king, don't do this. This is my one weakness. Please do not have me interred in some grave. Your betrayal has hurt me the most. I have loved you more than one of my own sons. I was an optimistic fool, thinking the doors would welcome me as their messiah. I must become unforgiving and cruel. I'm sorry. The price must be paid. There is no other way. With that said, King Ansel turned and disappeared amidst the thick foliage. Immediately gentle, but impossibly firm hands alighted on the captain like graceful birds, who was spirited away, with dread filling his heart. It appeared even the elves were preparing for the coming War of the Races, a war that anticipated the arrival of a powerful ally for the elves and the triumphant return of the one king of the dwarves. Gretel did not know how long the enchantment had been broken, how long he had been awake. He instantly became aware, aware he had been imprisoned in this stone sarcophagus for decades. Immediately, his rage welled up within him. He felt the need to kill his king, the only true king prophesied of as the promise of all the dwarves, and take the crown for himself. But how was he going to open the lid to his prison? The memory returned to him, seeping in like sewage water. A thousand times he had tried to break free of this prison. A thousand times he tested the spell-fortified lid to his grave in an effort to escape. He tried again this time. He bloodied his knuckles, pounding and pounding for hours on this stone lid. And as always before, the lid would not shatter. The lid remained in place. Gretel wept. How much longer would he lie here, with only his hatred for his king to sustain him? The king did not trust him. Could he trust his king? The king had promised to return to him. But would he? Would he lie here a century more, a millennium more, forever? Suddenly he heard it, something he had not heard since being imprisoned here. Voices, not just any voices, the same grumbling, grating voices of his brethren dwarves. But whatever did that mean, there was only one person that could break this spell. That is what the elves had told him. Why? He was told that only someone with Torosel blood in his veins could free him. Torosel, the hated traitor. Torosel, whom the captain himself hunted down and had slain. Torosel, the one dwarf responsible for the landslide that buried more than 300 dwarves. If someone related to Torosel were available to free Gretel from his crypt, it would mean one of two things. 
either Torosel had been forgiven, or someone else helped to recruit Gretel and his indomitable hatred for his king for another cause. Of course, Torosel had not been forgiven. Dwarves were famous for keeping grudges, keeping grudges for centuries if need be. Vengeance was one thing dwarves were gifted at cultivating. No, Gretel had no hope. It was the despicable elves that fed him such a hot meal of that empty hope, all to make his prison all the more hostile. No, Gretel would not escape this prison, not ever. Gretel wiped away a tear with a bloody hand and listened. What do you suppose this is? asked one voice. Yes, dwarves, as noisy as a burst dam, as many as thirty, maybe more. Isn't it obvious? It's a barrow. Yes, a king is buried here. Look at all this treasure. Gretel couldn't believe his ears. He was hearing it, wasn't he? The same annoying nasal voice of Torosel. How annoying that voice was, begging for his life. Yes, that same manner of speech he must have inherited upon his birth. There was no mistaking it. A relation to Torosel had come here. He stood within feet of prostrate Gretel. The key to freeing the dwarf. Was he clueless as to his one purpose here? Was he only here for the loot? Could King Ansel have intended this? Could he be so very cruel, taunting the poor imprisoned dwarf now, forty years or more after locking him away here? Did King Ansel continue to fear for his lack of loyalty? Had he given up on him altogether? Another, another dwarf was struck curious. What were the elves of our low hiding? This place was carved out of solid rock, carved and cut and polished by dwarves happy with their work. No elf has ever entered this place. They won't put up with being inside caves or any place below ground. We've known that since we first burrowed below ground. So why did the elves build this village around this hole? That is what they do. Don't, don't know why. They treasure things no smart creature sees any value in. They built Arlo around this hole because it represents something special to them. Another dwarf grumbled, There is gold here, and silver, and precious stones, the wealth of some anonymous king. Nothing no tree-whispering elf holds of value, only us dwarves. There's more gold than we all can carry. That's all right. We can come back here and drink from the well as long as it doesn't run dry, as long as the elves don't think of coming back to defend it. You don't think that it will happen, do you? The same nasal-voiced dwarf expressed his own concern. Yes, the elves are dying off in record numbers. Yes, they fly from their villages and towns for whatever they see in the first forest. They know what they treasure. They leave a handful in each and every village to defend it, to defend that, even a handful is enough to keep our hands out of the purse. Yes, only this village here, only our low, have they left. I'm curious why. Whatever, we gotta respect that choice. Gretel shook his head. Most definitely clueless, the nasal-voiced dwarf appeared to be. But the dwarf said nothing, only descended noisily upon the accumulated treasure lying in heaps all around the grave of Gretel. The imprisoned dwarf cried out. He pounded on the walls and the lid of the sarcophagus. 
All to no avail. The stone should have spoken to the raiders. Only the gold spoke louder. This was Gretel's last chance of escaping his tomb. Once the treasure was gone, no one, no dwarf, and certainly no one with the blood of Torso flowing through his veins would ever come back here. Gretel would be alive, encased in this fortified stone box forever. Suddenly a dwarf stammered with a tinge of grief in his voice. This gold is cursed. No such thing as cursed gold, swore another dwarf. Not to any dwarf. There was the sound of cascading coins as the realization touched all the dwarfs in the chamber. Boindil is right. This is the gold paid to assassinate Ansel, paid by the dwarf lords to Ansel's second-in-command Gretel to kill him. No dwarf will honor this gold. Its treachery cannot be even be burned away in a furnace. This is the grave lost into antiquity. This is the grave of traitor Captain Gretel. There immediately came a shout, then the ring of steel. From what Gretel could hear, an intense battle was breaking out. There were cries and shouts and the clash of weapons. Dwarf was fighting Dwarf, not so much for the wealth displayed in the crypt. They all knew the burial place of Captain Gretel was a hot commodity. Gretel knew the price of the knowledge of this burial place. There could only be one survivor here, only one. The dwarves had to fight to a man should more than one dwarf escape the crypt with the knowledge of this place where it was war would break out between different segments of the dwarves within a fortnight war between those who wanted Ansel dead and those who refused to accept he lived at all no the knowledge of the whereabouts of this gravesite could be beneficial to only one dwarf the most ambitious of dwarves to establish his own unique place in society and perhaps end the rumors that King Ansel had lived once and for all. Gretel was miserable. He would not escape his tomb. Not ever. What have you done to me? lamented the nasal-voiced dwarf. Yes, you have killed me. The last surviving dwarf replied morosely. I'm telling you, it's for the best. Suddenly, silence descended upon the crypt. That was it. The elves and his king had had demonstrated their cruelty. There would be no resurrection from the grave for Gretel. Gretel began to cry. He nursed his hatred. White hot it was now. Gretel continued to feed it. That it was the only thing that would, could feed him for eternity. The need for wrath. Gretel descended into his sleep once more. The stasis between sleeping and waking. Between consciousness and unconsciousness aware of himself and not so much the passing of time like trying to grab handfuls of water suddenly Gretel heard it the grating of stone on stone the lid of Gretel's sarcophagus opened for the first time in a very long time several decades the light of day entering the crypt from a broken stained glass window made its way into the coffin Captain Gretel's eyes smarted at the sight he beheld the dwarf outside the sarcophagus wrestled with the heavy stone lid. Finally, he pushed it free. It fell with a shattering crash to the floor below. Gretel sat up and blinked, hungrily taking in the view. 
The air was sweet as nectar, and the sights blinding. He smiled, the foreign action hurting his cheeks. Hello, Brother Gretel. Welcome to the world that desperately needs you. Welcome back to the Abbasine. The dwarf extended his hand. Gretel took it. Sorely he stepped free from his prison. He was overjoyed, but also wary. He stretched. He knelt down. He reached for a fallen soldier's axe. He would not believe what it took for us to find you, to free you, Brother Gretel. It was most serendipitous. I have questions, stated Gretel flatly. It serves no one that I have entered this world once more. I am a threat to everyone. It would have been best should I have remained for an eternity inside that stone coffin. No, there is one dwarf that you have defeated twice in battle. It is our hope that you can defeat him a third time, one last time. I don't understand, Gretel snorted. Only one with the traitor Torsel's blood flowing through him could free me from my prison. The elves told me as much. You should not have enabled me in my escape. You should have been another. Ah, this one here. I see his features. I see the Torosil that was in him. Torosil was secreted away by my mother. The queen without a throne. The sister of the kings of the three dwarven kingdoms. Torosil's blood flows through me. She anticipated this moment when she could be needed, when I would be needed to bring you back into the Abyssin. My mother told me about you being alive. We need you to end the rumors. My grandfather lives once and for all. King Ansel remains the greatest threat to my family. You must end this. But first, we need you for something else. Right now, as you awaken and the sun arises, my mother, Queen Hadel, has found her jail cell opened. Her value has shown itself to her brothers, the kings of Brendel and Mi'kmaq. The elves told us where we might find you. It was written in a riddle, but she figured it out. She is the smartest and even-tempered of the four siblings. My mother knows of your hatred for her father. In fact, she is counting on it. I must take you to her in Mi'kmaq, all in anticipation of the coming war with your, her brother, King Trindale of Sturm, the one with most to lose, if our grandfather is to be proven never to have been. The only one who continues to acknowledge his relations as such for we refuse to answer to the elder, contemptuous brothers. We will not rest until he is finally slain. That's how it must be. And with him dead, my mother Hadel will sit on the throne of Sturm. Pick up your axe. What? queried Nerfel. He began trembling, the color draining from his face. I see you are a capable warrior. I mean, you were able to kill thirty-odd dwarves. And not just any dwarves. No, these were skilled warriors, veterans of many battles, the pride of the king of Mi'kmaq. I can tell by your, their bandages, their colors, and you had no problem. I can tell by their badges, their colors, and you had no problem doing away with these. Now, for a true test, 
how would you fare against the greatest warrior dwarf that ever lived? Ansel's second in command. Nerful took a step back. My mother would be most disappointed with me should I slay the one dwarf that gives us the best chance of defeating King Trendle. He has proven himself on the battlefield time and time again, but you have defeated him twice. Oh, you are giving yourself a lot of credit, but you have yet to land a blow. Come now, come at me. Nerful frowned. He picked up his axe, slick as it was with blood. His face remained marble white. He hissed, You do not know who you are taking up arms against. Father Ansel took great pains in training his four children. Even his daughter's education did not suffer. For decades they fought and fought, until their knowledge and skills were the equal of their father. Nerful lunged at Gretel. With a booming shout, he squatted and thrust his body forcibly forward. He swept his blade across, then drove the weapon upward. Gretel met the blade, locking and disarming the axe with a well-positioned strike of his own. If that's the best you have, your uncles and mother are sorely in bad need of improving their skills. Oh yeah, barked Nerfel tremulously. He swiftly recovered his weapon. This time, the younger dwarf demonstrated an advanced move. He hopped lithely three times, with each hop deck directing a blow, first at the midsection, then at the legs, and finally at the head. Nerful succeeded in swiping his blade across Gretel's forehead. A thin trickle of blood began to flow above the second-in-command's right eye. Mother did devote all of her training to me. She tapped talent unknown to my three uncles. My mother has tact and guile that her brothers lack. She needed that if she were to ever rule, and she intends to rule the entire Abyssine, with or without you. Whom do you think your traitor father hates more, your uncles or me? And with that, Gretel spun around, his axe reaching. The swiped blade caught Nerfel's weapon and dislodged it from the youth's grip. His hands shook with a jarring blow, but Nerfel acted fast. Securing the weapon and pulling it in, he tumbled. He connected with the captain's shins and threw him violently to the ground. Gretel countered with an awkward but effective blow to the exposed fist. White severed tendons glistened as he cried out and withdrew his wounded hand. Gretel shook his head. You have had training. I can see that. Do you know that I let your grandfather defeat me? I could not lose to him, but I did. Perhaps you would have been a better warrior had you learned from me. And that concludes episode one of book four, The Captive of Arlo. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. And I will offer the second episode uh, in a week's time. Until then, bye for now. Bye.